Okay, let's do this. Internet, what is up? It is Monday, and we are going to obviously do business-related things first, and then we will talk about the amazing guest that we are about to sit down and interview. So that being said, let's talk about cancel culture and how much it sucks and fuck cancel culture. And how do you defeat cancel culture? Well, it's real simple. You go sign up for my Patreon. And realistically, people, let's start spreading the word because strangely, there's, I think we just hit 700 on our new page on Instagram, which means there's 8,000 of you running around out there that haven't pushed that follow button or haven't even figured out that one of your favorite podcasters is no longer in your feed because you're just scrolling like fucking mindless zombies. So if you're listening to this right now, because I don't know, a bajillion of you download the podcast globally every week, which I'm super grateful for. I love it. If you could just do me a favor right now, pull out your phone and see if in fact you're following us. And if you're not, it's at lone element underscore actual. So when you land there, push that follow button, then hit the link tree and you're going to see the link tree drop down. There's a bunch of stuff right there. Here's what I'd really appreciate if you took the time to fill out my email list so that I can put you on the, uh, the email subscription list and because we're going to start doing emails out to people. And realistically, that's the best way for me to reach you and let you know in case we get canceled again and again and again after that on Instagram, which we probably will because you guys know how I roll and I don't let any motherfucker on planet Earth pretty much tell me anything to do with my own page or my own media. So I believe in the First Amendment, which is freedom of speech. And if you don't like that, go fuck yourself and then hit the unsubscribe button. So that being said, hit the link tree, sign up for the emails, sign up for the text messages because that's probably going to happen. That's going to probably happen soon too, if you opt in for that. And then if you really want to know where we're going to be hanging out, doing cool stuff, it's going to be on Patreon. And we already have a group of really amazing people on Patreon. And I love my patrons. They're fantastic people. And I'm super grateful and happy to have them, every single one of them. So go sign up for that. Go hit the link tree, drop down to the bottom. Don't try and read the tabs because Patreon's the social icon at the bottom. Click on that. And then that will take you to the Patreon page. And then you can sign up for whatever level you want. And the levels we have are around the campfire. And I believe that's $10 a month. And you can sign up for that. And that's going to get you live Q&A access. That's going to get you a sticker. That's going to get you a patch. It's going to get you a lot of cool stuff. We're going to be sticker of the month club. Okay. Which those are going to start going out here real soon too. So go sign up for that level. If that's where you're, uh, uh, if that's where you want to sign up. And then the second tier is, is called team room. And that's where a bulk of people hang out is in the team room. And that's going to get you also live Q&A. That's going to get you sticker of the month. That's going to get you a patch and it's going to get you a free hoodie and it's going to get you a tradecraft video. That's right. I do one video a month talking about tradecraft related things relative to gear. It's kind of like the old gear and coffee segments I used to do. If any, for those of you that have been following me for a really long time, I used to do every once in a while a gear and coffee video on my Instagram page and I would do gear reviews on things. So that's Essentially what that's going to be is a little bit of gear review, but also like tips and tricks, hacks, so to speak. So that's what the team room tier is going to uh, include. Now, if you want to level all the way up, that's 50 bucks a month. That's called in the stack. And what that is, is all the things that I afford mentioned that you guys will get access to. You'll get the patch, you'll get the live Q&A, you'll get all my posts, you'll get pictures, you'll get the tradecraft video, and you'll get all of that. 
Okay, you guys will get all of that and you'll get a free course. If you sign up and you pay for six months at 50 bucks a month, you will get uh, a free slot to one of my training courses and you will get access to what I'm going to be doing this summer, the summer symposium where you'll be able to come out to Jackson Hole, hang out with Cato and I, stand around the campfire, drink a little whiskey, do some amazing training. We're probably going to do some medical. We're going to do some shooting, of course, maybe a little bit of low light, maybe some blade craft. And then we're going to, you'll have access to horseback riding. You'll have access to whitewater rafting, maybe uh, an afternoon trip on the trail with the Jackson Hole Jeep Club. We've got lots of plans in the works. So go sign up for the $50 tier if all of that sounds good to you. Okay, next thing we want to talk about in terms of signups for everything we are and what we're doing with social media, we're, do, we're going to be kicking off YouTube here soon as well. Like we filmed, Kato and I filmed like three episodes of YouTube related things and we're going to be getting the YouTube channel kicked off. Now the YouTube channel is going to have, of course, gear reviews on there, but it's not going to be the all guns, all gear all the time channel. You know, it's like I'm not going to be the tactical guy. There's plenty of people on the internet that are doing that way better than me. And uh, I'm not going to be the typecast tactical guy. So we're going to do gear reviews on overlanding gear. We're going to do gear reviews on backpacking gear. We're going to do reviews on hunting gear and, of course, firearms-related stuff. And then, yes, we will be doing a few tactical things, a few EDC things, and we're going to be doing that. And then on the YouTube channel, we're also going to finally start getting our guests for the podcast our interviews recorded and put up for you guys because everybody's been demanding it. I've been getting DM'd and emailed like crazy with people being like, when are you going to get the YouTube up and put guests on? When are you going to get the YouTube up and put guests It's like, I'm, I'm like, okay, people, I hear you. I get it. And we're going to start doing it. Now, uh, the other thing too, the Patreon people are going to get when it gets done, when we edit it, we shoot it, we edit it, and we get it put up, is the Patreon people are also going to get the behind the scenes stuff and a little segment that I'm going to start calling on the road. And that's going to be my adventures from the road, traveling, going to teach classes. And it's going to be that. And it's all the, all the behind scenes, this, the scenes with relative to that. So you guys are going to pretty much strap hang on a trip with me and it's going to get videoed and put up on for our patrons. So there are all of these neat, exciting things that I'm populating and doing that are coming to fruition slowly because one, I don't like being in front of the camera, but two, we just, it's time to start expanding the media kingdom that we've been doing. And it's something that I've wanted to do for a while. And so even though I feel uncomfortable with it, I'm going to get involved with it and start doing it because I'm a face your fears, slay your demons type of person. And all of you know that, which is hopefully why some of you come to the podcast and listen. Okay. Well, I think we can call that wrapped for business stuff. Once again, I want to thank all of our listeners globally for coming out to the podcast and listening to me interview great people and put my opinion out there in the universe. So I appreciate you very much. Uh, this Monday, we sit down with Brittany May, who is one of my favorite people. And I discovered her on Instagram, of course, and then had friends tell me what a fantastic human and instructor she is. And I thought she would be a great guest for the podcast. So I went down there and Met her, attended one of her courses, and she is definitely, without a doubt, a top-shelf human, and I am lucky to call her a friend now, and I, she's a phenomenal instructor and a, f a fantastic human and has a great sense of humor, and we had a really great time uh, training and also sitting down and having a really great podcast, which we're going to get after right now. So grab your favorite beverage, whether that's a coffee and you're just rolling into work, or whether this is uh, end of the day for you and you are got the kids to bed 
you got the missus watching friends and you've helped her with the dishes and now it's time to retire to the um, air quotation study with a bottle of beer or a little uh, pour of scotch and listen to me interview the fantastic Brittany May. Let's fucking G-O. Things are getting tougher when you can't get the top off the bottom of the barrel. Why don't men roar my future now? Looking fucking new. This is like a big decision right now. Pressure me to drink water. No, that's good. Coffee. (laughs) Okay. Let me know if you want some water. Okay. Okay. No, I think we're good. All right. Okay. Well, thank you for hosting. Of course. I appreciate it. Okay, we were just having a really good conversation about training stuff, and then we decided we should probably like put headphones on and get after it. So. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, uh, I. We should probably start with an introduction. So. Oh yeah. Why don't you go ahead and. Who am I? Yeah. Who are you? So my name is Brittany, and I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. I have a training company called Point Firearms Instruction. I have been teaching firearms training for 12 years now. So this is my 12th year doing this. I've had Point for about five years now, going on six, something like that. I'm really bad with time stuff. Uh, Let's see, what else? Um, I've done some executive protection work, did that in the past, about seven years I did that. And I worked for a few different companies here in Las Vegas. And then um, I'm currently working as a contractor for the Department of Energy. I do emergency management work now. And then prior to that, I was working on the protective force as a supervisor or lieutenant. And I was an adjunct instructor for their training academy. I also am associated with Progressive Force Concepts, which is a training facility here in Las Vegas as well. They do a ton of amazing stuff all over, though. Um, So I'm an adjunct instructor for them and just associated with them and... I don't know. I'm a a mom. I have a dog. And yeah, yeah, I like to read and do puzzles. (laughs) And you're also a really great instructor, but we'll get into that in a second. I have two questions. First of all, yeah, I know all of this is a front and cover because you actually probably work at Area 51. So are aliens, in fact, real? Oh, my God. That's the first question. (laughs) You're hilarious. So I don't work at 51, but the site that I work at borders 51. Um, it's called the Nevada Test Site. That's the old school name for it. Um, you can Google it. You can check it out. Get on the Googles and, and Google the Nevada Test Site. It's absolutely incredible, the history out there. Mm, and It is, um, yeah, all the nuclear testing. Yeah, yeah. And it's a big part of why Las Vegas is Vegas. Uh, but I will say this. I definitely think it's more likely that there is other life out there than not. Awesome. So my vote is... Yes. Maybe. Or were the aliens, you know? I've seen some interesting things that I couldn't explain in the sky out camping several times. Yeah, I bet. Especially because you do the off-roading, outlanding mm-hmm. stuff. So you're like gone. Like not, mm-hmm. there's no other campsites around and stuff like that. So it's like pitch black. Yeah. After we were done shooting last night, I like, that was funny. You guys were so worried about me. I thought it was great that Jay is such a good hearted, good natured dude that he was like, bro, I'll, I'll pay for a hotel room for you. Like, I'll use my points. I've got 800,000 points. I'm like, dude, I really love that you just That's kind offer of him. Com- yeah, a complete stranger. Yeah. But it's like not a money thing with me. It's a, well, I mean, it kind of is. I didn't want to spend $800 a night for a room yeah. uh, for a weekend. But I was like, uh, which I don't know what's going on here in Vegas. Something probably. There's always something. It, well, it's either spring break 
or there there's there's some big event going yeah. on but like my shot show suite was like 230 or $240 a night. See, that's reasonable. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, just to come down here for this weekend, for whatever reason, I tried to book a few days, you know, bef- a few days in advance before I came down here. Cause I was like, Oh, it's a weekend. It's in March. Tour season hasn't really kicked off mm-hmm. yet. It probably won't until next month or until May. And then it was like $765 a night to stay at the exact same hotel. I stayed. And I was like, what? That's the fu-? insane. And then I looked at a bunch of different other hotels because I'm very fluent with Vegas. I've uh, 18th shot show deep. Oh God, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. It's it's fine. <laughs> you uh, survived. Yeah, I survived. <laughs> so I, uh, so I, and it was like that at every hotel. Every hotel That's was insane. like in that 600 to 800 dollar range, and I'm like, okay, well, it's like a revolving you know. convention here. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, probably but yeah, with beanie he, babies he or was, something. He was funny. Then he was like, I, I thought it was great, but I was like, no, bro, I actually enjoy camping and so yeah i found i drove up north and found a nice little spot followed the road until it came to this like cool little spot and parked and i had a great view of the city city lights i took i took photos of it that's so cool yeah so it was good but yeah the uh and then so then getting back to the second question i have for you why are doe people such dicks oh damn so you're calling me a dick i mean there's a story behind this so like i'm I used to contract for Smith Optics. Okay. It was one of the very first contracts I got as a consultant uh, when I started my company after I stopped my operational career. Okay. And I was living in Jackson Hole, but then there in Ketchum, Idaho, and you have to drive through the National Labs around Arco uh-huh. to get to, from Jackson, you have to go through Idaho past the... So anyway... I can't remember what I had going on. Like, I think I was teaching a class to the DEA. No. Yeah. It was a DEA and Boulder SWAT class that I was teaching okay. down in Colorado. Wrapped that up. Then I had to jet from Colorado back to Jackson Hole, which is like an eight hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next, the day after next, I had to be in Ketchum to do stuff with Smith. And so okay. I was really crunched <laughs> for time prepping gear. Yeah. Yeah. Doing quick the whole, moving, like, yeah. yes, unload the one duffel bag, go through it real quick, load it up, put it back in the truck, and then get back in the truck, start driving again. And so uh, I was driving through, like, the National Labs area mm-hmm. around Arco, and I just, like, started doing the neckbone boogie where I was, like, falling asleep at the wheel because I was so tired. Okay. Because it was, like, 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. It was, like, 1 to 2 a.m., and so I'm, like, okay, I'm not going to – I don't want to go off the road and roll my truck. Yeah. I'm going to – and I wasn't paying attention to where I was exactly – so I pull over and I'm like, I'm just going to pull off to the side of the road. Cause there was this like dirt pull out that was like way off the side of the road. Okay. So I pull over <clears> and I'm like sleeping. <laughs> I just go to sleep. I'm like, put my seat back, uh, get, get out my sleeping bag. I'm like, I'm just going to catch a few hours Sure. when the sun comes up. You know, I set my alarm for like five 45 it was like one 30 or one almost. It was, I think it was like closer to two, but I'm like, I'm going to go to sleep. And so I wake up and you know, I, I am who I am. I travel with guns. So I have like my Glock on the seat next to sure. me. Cause I'm like, you never know what weirdo is going to yeah, try yeah. and roll up on you. The shit that I saw out where I was camping last night, I'll, I'll talk about in a second, but the, um, I'm sitting there sleeping. And then all of a sudden I thought I heard a noise, like a little, like it sounded, it was probably a car door shutting. It was mm-hmm. like a foo, foo sound. And I was like, and I woke, it was enough to wake me up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And then all of a sudden I have lights. So my seat is like kicked all the way back. And I'm in my pickup truck, pulled off the side of the road. It was before, you know, I had it all overlanded out mm-hmm. and had a tent or anything like that. So I'm in the cab of the truck, in the driver's seat that I've just leaned back, covered myself up with my sleeping bag, trying to catch some Zs. And lights are in my truck. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, 
what in the fuck is going on? And then like, so I'm like laying there and I'm like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, like I see a shadow of a human walk up and then taps on my window with like a flashlight. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if it's the highway patrol just like checking on me to see if I'm okay. Yeah, sure. So I roll down the window and then I like raise my seat up just enough to see my rearview mirror. And here's this fucking commando wearing ACU camouflage utility uniform. And then he's got a plate carrier on. And he's got an MP5 fucking slung on him. And I'm like, what in the fuck is going on right now? And, yeah. then, and then I roll down the window and he's like, hey, man, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, sleeping? And he's like, you can't do that. Here. And I'm like, well, he didn't say here. He just said, you can't do that. He should have said And that. I'm like. <clears throat> I would go, bro, who the fuck are you for yeah. starters? He's like, who I am is not important, but you can't be here. And I'm like, bro, I, this is a fucking highway. And if I want to pull off to the side of the road because I was falling asleep at the wheel and I didn't want to crash my truck, I'm going to. Who mm -hmm. the fuck are you? Mm -hmm. and, he, and he's like, who I am. He said this again. Who I am is not important. And I'm like, well, fucking commando, why are you dressed like that? <laughs> if you're, in, you know, you can't tell me who you are. <laughs> and he's like. Listen, sir, you're just going to need to, like, drive it down the road. There's a rest area, like, another 18 miles down the road, but you can't be here. And then, like, I raise my seat up a little bit more, and I start looking. And I'm looking in my rearview mirror now, not my side mirror. I'm looking in my rearview mirror. There's, like, two Suburbans, and one is, like, herring boned out, and then there's dudes, like, walking around, and they're kitted up, too. Everybody's got an MP5. Everybody's, like, wearing ACU camouflage utilities. Everybody's got a plate carrier on. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... What in, what in the fuck is this? And then it dawned on me. I was like, and then the light bulb went off in my mind. Ding. And I'm like, oh, I might be close to the national labs. And uh -huh. these are DOE <clears throat> fuck sticks that are like out here. Hey, I was, I was one like, of those fuck sticks. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. So it's a great story. But I, so I'm like, okay. So what'd you do? Did you leave? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And you were like, hey, you guys, I was like, I'll leave. I was like, look, I was like whatever yeah well, uh, yeah i'll go but they're just like hey man you can't be here like you need to move along yeah but which but they were be he was being a dick though yeah he was doesn't matter who i am yeah it doesn't matter who i am like if you would have just been like hey my name's so-and-so we're with the department of energy you're actually parked outside the national exactly. labs like the fence is right here like look i know it's a super inconvenience yeah, to you but, but can like you drive just a yeah if you could miles. just go down the road right you know we'd really appreciate it and yeah. we're sorry for hassling you and yes we want you to be safe while you're driving like if he would have come at it with that level sure, of pro sure, sure. professionalism yeah and that's kind of like just my like my rule in general for humans is yes. i will meet you wherever you're at 100 percent. if you're a dickhead to me i'm going to be a dickhead probably more of a dickhead back to you yes um if you're super nice and polite i'm going to be super nice and polite mm -hmm. so if he would have come at me like that i would have been like oh okay yeah dude no problem sorry mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry you guys like had to qrf me because i'm fucking one dude with a toyota tundra parked out here next to your fence that you right. probably were watching me on a uav or thermals mm -hmm. and you could see that i'm not fucking surveilling you like i put my seat down i'm like going to sleep yeah. i'm not I don't have binos out here. I don't have a spotting scope. I'm not launching my own little UAV to put over your fence right, right. to fly to your like secret base to yeah. like none of that's happening. Like I, I'm just a dude trying to fucking catch some Z's here. So he was a dick to me. So that's my funny little like DOE. So now story. everyone in DOE is a dick for you, huh? Yeah, <laughs> They're so now all I, dicks. I, They're all jerks. Yeah. So now I fuck with them. Every time I meet somebody <laughs> from the DOE, I'm like, oh yeah, you guys are assholes. And they're like, they, I always get the look and then I'm like, I'm just kidding. I, but I had a, 
I had one experience. I had one experience with and you. And it was horrible. Yeah. Because I was trying to sleep. Yeah, I was trying to sleep and a bunch of fucking <laughs> DOE Delta Force commandos with their MP5s. Sh- showed up with MP5s <laughs> to interdict me while I was fucking sleeping. They're like, move along, move right. along. <laughs> right. Peasant. Peasant, fucking be gone. Be gone from here. Be gone, peasant. Yeah. Oh, that was great. So I was hoping maybe you could shed some light on like why Joe Civilian is not allowed to sleep on a on a public highway. Sure. Yeah. Well, I cannot like speak what, to that location specifically. I'm not, I've never worked there or whatever, but I am familiar with the labs um, and then our site. And I will tell you that um, it's a 100%, it's 24-7 protective security. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very militarized. It is the training that I had to go through was, in my opinion, um, the second most difficult qualification course that I've shot. Mm-hmm. And I haven't shot them all. Uh, the first one, in my opinion, and I wasn't an air marshal, but I've right. shot the air marshal call just to like be like, hey, yeah, can, I, can I do this? Yeah, you can know? I do it? Because yeah. it's so hard. It's yeah. fast. It's, you know, it's very challenging. And then in my opinion, the second one would be that Department of Energy Protective Force qualification because you're dealing with uh, carbine, handgun, barricades, gas masks, daytime, nighttime, turrets, um, um, your machine guns. Like, I mean, it's just like this whole gamut of things that you have to pass everything. But so they, they don't take their security uh, lightly. I mean, it's a very, very serious thing because of what we are protecting. And then one of the things with um, DOE is our use of force is a little bit different as well. Um, there hasn't, there doesn't have to be just a, a threat of death or great bodily injury. We can use deadly force to protect material mm. because if certain materials and items were to be gone, uh, it would be a massive, massive uh, security, national security incident, right? So yeah. like we, the security is very, very important. So, and we deal, like I can just only speak to the NNSS, which is where I'm located in Vegas. Um, people think we're 51. Remember the whole storm area 51 event? Mm-hmm. Talk about a fucking nightmare for us. Oh, tell, tell me about that. Oh my God. I, I was watching it laughing and I'm going to be like, when they're like, we're just going to storm the base. I'm like, you motherfuckers are going to get machine gunned. Is what's That's what happen. we were like, please yeah. don't. Yeah. Please. You're going to get machine gunned down. The, oh the Chinese human wave assault on Area 51 is going to fail, and you're going to get machine gunned. We're like, dude, we just want to go through our shift normal, mm-hmm. nice and quiet. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> go away. Anyways, I'll fill you in on that. But um, a lot of people think we're 51, so they'll come up to our gate. And a lot of them are foreign nationals. Because they're from, you know, somewhere over in mm-hmm. Europe or whatever. And they're like, let's go to 51. We're in Vegas. Let's go to 51. And if you actually, I don't know if they fixed it, but uh, if you were to Google Maps, Area 51, it would literally bring you to our front gate. And that's not where 51 is. No. It's like a complete all the way yeah. around, you know, thing. But, um, yeah, so we, we deal with that all the time. And people want to take photos and video things all the time. We have busted. I mean, I remember when I was on the Pro Force, three specific YouTubers and they were large YouTubers. Two of them for, were from Europe, um, huge followings on mm-hmm. YouTube and they just travel around and do all this stuff, you know, and they thought we were 51 and it's no joke. Like you come out there and you are not allowed on base. Uh, you come onto the, the site facility before you get to the main gate. Um, we literally go through everything that you have. Mm. We shut your vehicle off. We put you. We detain you. We literally search every single thing that you have. We go through your cell phone. We delete any photos that you've taken. We delete your deleted box. Like it's no joke, you know. 
because any of that information that could get out is um, is very critical for our mm. national security. So there's a lot of pride there too. I don't know. I've, I've, there's so much that I've seen happen out there that, uh, you know, it's very important and people need to understand that. So I don't know about the guys bugging you where you were parked. We've had people park too, mm-hmm. um, just to sleep and stuff and pull off the road. But unfortunately we do have to tell them to go because. So what is the security concern? Cause obviously, I mean, mm-hmm. knowing what I know about surveillance and stuff like sure. that, like mm-hmm. from my old job, like I know that like you guys probably have really great optics or like there's an eye in the sky somewhere that's like oh hey look there's like i know there's there's electronic surveillance measures there so i'm like is it that hard for somebody to do some like math and be like oh pulled off Mm -hmm. hasn't gotten out of the vehicle now i know that thermal sensors can't see through glass at Mm -hmm. least yet that i know of so i'm like okay maybe can't see inside the vehicle but like flip to ir or you know sure flip to i squared Mm -hmm. and like oh, he put his seat down. There's been no movement there for two hours. Like mm-hmm. he's not, he doesn't have a, like I said, go through the decision-making. See, but so the what, optics, so w- you know how the optics are. So like, this is how this works. So I was a supervisor, right? Mm-hmm. So say I'm on a night shift and there's some dude passed out in his truck, right, right off site, mm-hmm. you know, but it's one of my patrols is working that area yeah. and he radios me and says, hey, some dude's taking a nap in his yeah. truck, right? In yeah. his tundra. And he'd be like, what do you want me to do? And I'd be like, well, you're going to have to tell him. I, and I say, I go, just leave him alone. Let him sleep. Yeah. Keep eyes on him. Leave it alone. Right? Right. And then my luck, my boss comes rolling through the gate at 06 and sees his truck parked mm-hmm. on the side of the road, Go calls me and goes, why is that truck parked on the side of the road? Oh, sir, it's just someone sleeping in his truck. No, 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 no. That guy needs to leave. Why didn't you tell him to leave? Right? Like it's the, the trickle effect. Like there's that whole thing. So okay, gotcha. So then, you know, what is the security concern though of somebody like sleeping on the side <laughs> of the road on a fucking public highway? I well, I again, I can't speak to that location of that. But those what, labs. But what would you say? Like, if it's your facility, what is I, the security concern there? So all I know is the the areas in which is a no-go zone for people. Like, we Mm -hmm. don't allow people to park there. We don't allow them to sit there. We don't allow... Because they'll come right up to that line, Mm -hmm. park, and take photos of our signage and all of that stuff. We have to tell those people to leave. We have to. Because if it's almost like that first layer, right, Mm. of of good lighting or whatever. So you got to go, you know, hey, you guys can't be here because otherwise, then they'll go, well, there's no gate. There's no physical barrier. Like, why don't we just drive on up to there? Because we're in the middle of the desert, so it looks like there's nothing, even though there's a whole lot going oh, on. Oh, okay. So, all right. And, so. Then those, and then they'll push it a little further. And then before you know, they're at our gate. And now we have to take two hours out of our day to do all this paperwork and go through all of their shit. And they're just looking for Area 51. I was parked along a fence. There was like a seven-foot fence with like barbed wire on the top mm-hmm. of it. When I looked over, I'm like, okay, fence, barbed wire, commandos with MP5s. It, it didn't take me long to do the math mm-hmm. to figure out what was going on. But I'm like... There's a fence right there. Sure. And I'm sure they like they saw me with you know electronic oh, yeah. surveillance measures, and that's how they knew <clears throat> to come here. Because when I parked, it was like nobody in either yeah, direction. It black yeah, everywhere. it was black. There yeah. was nobody out there, and I wasn't paying attention at the time until I sat my seat up with like you know the yeah. commando crew with MP5s on me. Like I looked over and then saw the fence, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, yeah. fence there. All right, yeah. But yeah, I was, I'm always just curious of like, what, what is the security concern? 
And to, to your point now, like I didn't realize that there was like, there's areas or facilities that just have like open desert. Yeah. That people like that people could become more of a, more of a nuisance or nor, more of a problem. Oh, so. for sure. We've had people walk on the site, you mm. know, because you're just, it's in the middle of the desert. Mm. There's been, um, yeah, so many crazy things that I've seen. Did you have to, like, get a Geiger counter and, like, when people, like, walk across the, the testing areas, like, do you have to, like, Geiger counter them to, like, see how radioactive they are from walking through a oh nuclear gosh. test area? You know what? Um, we actually have a few. Obviously, we have a few of those at our disposal. And it was always interesting to check your boots and stuff, especially after. Because, I mean, there's so much history out there, mm -hmm. and it's so amazing. So you want to explore. So mm -hmm. we're exploring. And then also it's, you know – it's familiarity, right? You're learning what you're protecting. You're learning mm. where things are and the roads and all that stuff. But so much history out there. And it's really interesting because um, a lot of the above ground testing and things like that, and again, all of this you can Google, mm -hmm. once they're done with it, they just bury it. And then they mm -hmm. take a rope and put it around it and then put a couple of signs on there that are like, don't kick up the dust here. All right. Don't right. walk around here. Like This is highly contaminated area. And so <clears throat> it's a trip to see that stuff. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure that there's a little bit of a health risk for sure <laughs> being out there. Um, it's like walking back in time, you know, it's like walking back into 1958, 1965 or something like that. And Are like all the, the buildings and the chairs, like the furniture and the offices and stuff. It's like from then. And is it still standing? There's still there's yeah. still places out there like oh, yeah. where they built the mock-ups like are the mock-ups yes. some of the mock-ups oh still there? my okay. god yes yeah so you know that famous uh video of like that one house it's like mm -hmm. almost gets blown yeah. over and then yeah. the trees getting blown mm -hmm. all of that's from out there oh wow okay so they used to build complete cities and stuff like that mm -hmm. like bridges and homes they would build homes out of concrete mm -hmm. homes out of wood um bunkers and then they would um, fill them all up with canned goods and mannequins and put clothing on them from yeah. jc penny and there was like polyester and wool and then they would blow it up and see what survived and what happened yeah. you know dude you're doing a great job being a kitchen ninja you don't have to be quiet i have a really good editor kato <laughs> he can edit out any background so you just make your sandwich and you just you just do you because you're in your kitchen okay you don't have to like sneak around i appreciate that you did that <laughs> yeah do, do your thing he's great do your, yeah yeah we're sitting here podcasting in the house and the kitchen ninja showed up and it was like stealth kitchen making a sandwich. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have to be quiet, bro. It's okay. Do do your thing. Oh, wow. We're in, we're in your place. <laughs> you, you do you. Yeah. So the, they, yeah, the history behind that site, it's like gnarly. it's, it's, exten it's extensive. It's very extensive. So yeah. what made you decide to pick DOE? Yeah. DOE. Like what, how did that, how did that go down? Oh, it's a, it's a long uh, so <clears throat> my brother's a contractor and the company that he works for has a location out there. Um, lots and lots of them do. Right. Uh, it's, it's a massive place. So uh, he was always like, Brittany, you should get on with these guys. They've, they're like, you know, they got big trucks and guns mm. and, you know, their training's cool and they do all kinds of cool stuff. And he's like, they pay good. Mm -hmm. You should try to get on with them. So I was like, okay, you know, so I threw in an application, which, you know, just like any of that stuff. Any of those jobs, it's like mm -hmm. you got to know somebody that tells you about it. And then they got to find the way to even put your app in because mm -hmm. it's not like you can just find it anywhere or whatever. Right. It's like a process. And then, I don't know, life went on and I just kind of forgot about it or whatever. And I mm -hmm. was just doing my thing. And then I got a phone call on a Thursday. And I was working at a gun store at the time. And uh, the lady's like, hey, we got your application. We're starting a new class on Monday. Are you interested? 
and I'm like, whoa, new class. Like, like an academy class? Yeah. Or like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, she's like, it's three months long. You get paid. It starts on Monday. And I'm like, well, I haven't interviewed or anything. What year was this? This was 2017. Oh my God, I'm so bad. 2016. 2016. Okay. So not that, not, not terribly long no. ago. Okay. And, um, I was like, okay. You know, so she's like, can you come in on Monday morning at seven o'clock? We'll do an interview quick. And then you can, if we like you, we'll send you up to the class. Mm-hmm. She's like, so just be prepared that day to be gone, you know? And I'm like, okay. So, um, yeah, I went in on Monday morning, I interviewed and then they, they hired me but they didn't hire me for just a regular security police officer position. They wanted me to be a lieutenant. They wanted me to be a supervisor because a lot of my experience up to that point was in a supervisory role. Yeah. But I'm very hesitant about starting a thing in that role. Right. Like I feel like I'm an old school. I'm like, you know, I start at the bottom, work your way up, learn the job, the whole thing. And um, it's just whatever. I'm, I'm glad that I decided to do that. But um, because because mainly it gave me the opportunity to go through their training academy as an instructor. If I was just a regular security police officer, I wouldn't have had that chance. So that's really the main thing that sold me on that. But yeah, I started the academy that, that day and it's a three month long, 12 hour days, Monday mm-hmm. through Thursday. And, um, yeah. And then I finished that and I, uh, I ended up getting top shot. Oh, nice. Yeah. And that was a really big deal. Like it's, uh, it's a really hard qualification, like I said, mm-hmm. to do. And then, um, yeah, to beat all, beat everybody. You know, it is a war. You're yes. <laughs> yes. It's always a race. Yeah. And so, uh, that it's, you're definitely always competing against humans, especially when always. you're in that. And like, even kind of like last night, like and it, it makes when, you better. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, when you're, when you're at a, when you're at a course, I mean, all the courses I've been to, everybody starts looking around, sizing each other up, looking oh, at sure. each other's shot groups. They're like, okay, right. how fast can I get out of the holster? Did I beat him? The guy next to me, did I beat him out of the holster? Did I? Did I shoot a tighter group? So it's mm-hmm. just like competition is pretty in, inherently natural for human yeah. beings. So you, so you got, so you went to this, you went to the training course. They yeah. called you. And they're like, hey, it yeah. starts on Monday. Yeah. And I felt so bad because of my boss that I was working for at the time. Such a good person, mm-hmm. such a good dude. And I was like, hey man, today's my last day, you know? And he was ah, like, yeah. I was like, I would love to give you a two weeks notice. But he was so cool because he was like, no, Brittany, I want you to go we knew this was temporary for right. you like go and do great things yeah. you know and you know it's hilarious he is now a security police officer oh nice for doe my boss that was that okay yeah. i literally pulled up to the gate a couple of weeks ago downtown mm-hmm. and and he was working the gate and i was like what the fuck are you doing here he's like mm-hmm. oh yeah i decided to jump ship and come here i'm like that is so ironic to me because nice. <laughs> we did this a few years ago it was so funny but the money's so good so i get it you know yeah it's so they said Monday show up. Uh-huh, you did, uh-huh. and then how long? And you said it was three months long. Three months long. The academy. what was the most? What was the most challenging part of the training for you? The uh, the leadership of the training academy. Yeah. What's Absolute dog shit. Yeah. And you know what? I'll say it now because most of them are gone, and now right. there's like a new director and a new cadre, and yeah. they're doing great things now. And I was so disappointed because a few of my mentors and people that I work with, with PFC and stuff, they had all worked out at the test site as well. And, um, when I told them I was getting on with there, they were like, Oh, you're going to absolutely love the training. It's challenging. You know, you got two forties out there. Like it's good, fun stuff. You're going to love it. Like Mm -hmm. they were so excited. And, um, so my expectation was of that. And then, yeah. 
there was just, they hated me right off the bat. I had no chance. I mean, I'm a, I'm a female supervisor coming in and, um, I'm, I'm smart Mm -hmm. and I can shoot, I can handle firearms, you know? So I already had that and, but I'm quiet. I'm very quiet. I'm Mm -hmm. humble. You know, I'm the kind of person like I size things up. So I'll shut the fuck up and and stay to myself until I can see what's going on. I was the only female in the class and, I thought I had a couple of guys in the class that I kind of had become friends with because mm-hmm. we would carpool and stuff because it's an hour commute from here. And, you know, you become friends, right? Camaraderie and stuff and, yeah. and joking around. But, man, as soon as there was anything that was anti-me, they would just jump on that anti-Britney ship right away. So I really went through that academy by myself. Mm. And I'm not afraid of that by any means. It's kind of something I'm, I'm used to. But um, dealing with very... Like, I mean, it's like, it, it sounds childish, but I mean, it's full on bullying, you know, um, being made fun of openly, mm-hmm. being put down openly, um, being made an example of constantly. Um, so what did you do in those situations when that happened? Did you just suck it up and deal or what? Uh, or was there any offline conversations? There was lots of offline conversations. Yeah. And uh, I had the leadership that would have, that is that was above me at that time so the pro force manager mm-hmm. at that time right he would come up to the training academy and check on us and, and want to get to know the new people that are going to be on his pro force right mm-hmm. especially me i'm a new supervisor right yeah. and feel things out now the security police officers are union the the lieutenants are not so i'm non-union right mm-hmm. so there's a different vibe there too right and um lots of layers to this lots of layers you. yeah and so yeah and he would ask me he he yeah. wouldn't pull he would talk to the security police officers they call them spos and bullshit with them but then he would come and pull me off to the side and go so how's things really going you know mm. and the first few conversations i had with him i didn't know yet and then when things started to people started relaxing and people's real true cr- characters started to come out then i i would start letting him know what was going on and uh you know, obviously some, some measures were taken there and, and things of that nature, but a one bad apple can really ruin a bunch Mm. as we all know. And so, um, yeah, correct. Yeah. I, I had some very intense conversations with people and I got to the point where, because I, I, you got to understand too, at this time I was struggling because I was very, very alone. I didn't know any of these people. I didn't know the job. Yet, I didn't know who I could trust. I didn't know. I was just, I felt so alone, you know? And I'm like, whenever I start a new job, and I don't know if you're like this too, but I always just kind of like give it three to six months before I start trusting anybody or like relying, you know what I mean? Because you don't know who you can, who's just trying to get info, who's got an agenda, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, you don't know what the the backside human terrain dynamics look Mm -hmm. like. You don't know agenda is a great way to put it like yeah. you don't know whose alliances or allegiances or mm-hmm. agendas because people will try and in certain and i experienced it during my time contracting like and it's kind of the shitty part about being a contractor like you're you know you're 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 expendable you're an expendable yeah. you know experiential labor resource for government and what you know kind of my experience was we had contractors in charge of contractors uh-huh. And so then it turned into like sometimes high school popularity shit. Right. 
I had a lot of problems because I wasn't like, I'm not a tabbed or, uh, or badged special operations dude. Okay. I just was always in the right time at the right place. Got to do some really cool shit with my military career. And then just had friends that were special operators uh-huh. that turned, you know, that like I would hang out with, I would train with in my off time. And so I had a way higher line, uh, baseline skill set than most regular infantry dudes that come from my, my community. And so... Um, plus, I was just more switched on than yeah. a lot of the dudes. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of my peers were just kind of, like, wanted to show up, wanted the college money, or wanted the experience that oh, wanted sure. to be done. And I took it as, like, a professional trade craft. And mm-hmm. so, because Completely I did that, different. I would, yeah, I would train off-duty. Yeah. You know, like, I'm the guy that's like, okay, cool, like, we're in the middle of a training package, but I'm still, like, going to go train on the weekends and shoot, like, an IDPA match or an IPSC match, or mm-hmm. I'm going to go to a CQB class, or I'm going to go to a carbine course, and I'm going to continue to, like, up my skill set off-duty. And so because I did that, like, I had these other opportunities that probably weren't available right. to a lot of people. And so the contractor dynamic sometimes, like, dudes would look down their nose at me mm-hmm. because I wasn't. Mm-hmm. a special operator you know I wasn't a tabbed or badge dude and so I would just make it up to them by crushing their selections yeah and then outperforming most of the guys on the team like exactly. during and then by the time I ended up leaving there five years later I was a team leader I was in charge of I was in charge of green berets and seals and rangers wow see yeah and so <clears throat> I had to work my ass off to get mm-hmm. there but like it's funny that you talk about those kind of agendas and dynamics because there's always like th- there was always one dude that was or two dudes that were always like gunning for me or trying to wash me out or get me kicked off the program because they were like because I wasn't a tabbed or badge dude and so like and because they are hurting inside yeah oh yeah they especially (laughs) hurt when I like crush them at like we go out to the range to do a team range event and we have you know like accuracy and time standards Uh uh-huh and then I just smash them yeah on and they like and then I just look at them and they look at me and they know in that moment that oh, like yeah. yeah or like where we would go out and like do sometimes we would do like CrossFit competitions or whatever and I would crush a couple of guys on the team in like physical events mm-hmm. and then there was a so one of the one of the guys uh, that was ended up becoming a program manager who didn't like me tried to wash me out with a series of selections so like I took a selection just a two week selection just to get work at Blackwater. Then I took, I had to take a, uh, another selection to work on that specific program. And then he took it a step further by being like, because he was mad because I had passed those two selections. Uh-huh. He was like, well, you still have to take a team selection. So I had to go out to the site. And then the team leader that was a Green Beret that was there at the time had to put me through a selection. And they, it was a fucking ball breaker. Like they tried to they definitely, tried. they tried to definitely wash me yeah. with that. And I just gave it 110 and like ended up exceeding all of their like because they the one thing they did do is they're like well here's the here's the here's the criteria for here's no go go and no go Uh criteria and it was a physical it was primarily a physical selection process it was like a whole it was basically like a whole like three quarters of a day of just like getting fucking destroyed physically yeah and uh like there was um a crossfit test uh it was like push-ups air squats and pull-ups max in two minutes with a plate carrier on with a full combat load so like i had to wear my plates i had to wear my radio i had to wear my mags i had to all the weight Mm -hmm. that i would wear on a mission Mm -hmm. and then they had these like really ridiculous like reps for like two minutes and you had to like to pass you had to like get this many reps in each category and so i passed that and then 
then they had this, uh, they called it an endurance thing where I had to flip like this wearing, still wearing my kit. Mm -hmm. I had to flip a 200 pound tire, like a tractor tire around the perimeter of the base in a certain amount of time. Jesus. And it was a small camp. It was a, it was a, it was a combat outpost. So it wasn't this like huge yeah, airfield fall. That's exhausting. That's yeah. all body. Yeah. So full the, body yep. workout. So I passed that. And then at the end there was a. I can just see these guys in the back going, what do we do now? Right. What do we do next? Yeah. So pass, pass. Steaming, you know, yeah, yeah, they <laughs> like were, that's my vision. Yeah, yeah. And then they were, and then, it, and then there was a run and mm. I had to run, uh, I think it was like, what was it? Like 30 laps around the perimeter fence and the perimeter I think was like a I think it was like oh just shy of a mile or something like Jesus. that. Jesus. And so yeah, there it was it was ridiculous. Yeah. Like it was a whole entire day of getting crushed. Yep. It was like three quarters of a mile around mm -hmm. the fence and I had to I can't remember. There was a lot of laps though. <laughs> I I lost track of it. But anyway, mm -hmm. met the time standard for that. Yeah. I completed I completed everything, met yep. the time standards and then at the very end of that, then they're like, okay, now we're going to go to the range and we're going to shoot a qual. Mm -hmm. And then. No, you're, you're, you're fried Destroyed. Now. I'm absolutely yeah. destroyed. And then I went no. and shot, shot the qual and I still passed. Good. And they were so fucking pissed yeah. that I passed. And oh, I, I was bet. Like, I was like, okay, well, fuck you guys. Yeah. You know? I can totally relate mm -hmm. to that, but obviously not. Not super cool yeah. stuff that you yeah. are doing, but I can relate to that experience. Yeah. You know, that's how I felt. And. They were constantly trying to freaking get me out of there. I had to be super careful that I didn't fuck up at yeah. all because if I yeah. just a hair, they were going to be all over that. Yeah. So it was like a weird balancing mm -hmm. game. And I'm so glad I went through that hellacious experience mm -hmm. because I learned so much. You know, uh, one of the main instructors, the first week of the academy, mm -hmm. <clears throat> asked me out. Asks me out. An instructor. An instructor. While you're, you. while you're a student. First, yes. Oh. Now, mind you, he's an instructor for the training academy. I'm going to be a supervisor on this protective force, mm -hmm. right? He, if anybody wants a visual, like short, fat, just a troll of a human. Mm -hmm. And his vibe and energy and personality matched. I mean, oh. yeah, it was so bad. I was like, I was like offended. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you like, how dare you ask me i know right. i'm kidding but i'm just like is this a, for a no joke that when he asked me i was like is this a this is a game this is mm -hmm. a you know in my mind i'm thinking what is he doing here you know and i very professionally responded of you know i am absolutely not interested and i am very focused on this new job that mm -hmm. i'm starting and this training academy that i need to get through so no and please do not ask me again or whatever and then, of course, he made some rumors up that I was absolutely in love with him and, like, just oh. this madness, like madness, you know? Because if he didn't want it to get out, I'm sure that I turned him down or whatever. But that was just one of the tiny little headaches that I had of just, like, shitstorm of three months of going through. I remember the main head instructor for our class. <clears throat> I want to say his name so bad, but we'll refer to him as douchebag. <laughs> he, uh... For some reason, he wanted us to shoot this little series, mm -hmm. this little drill that he came up with or something. Mm -hmm. And he's just toting about how it's so incredible and blah, 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 blah. And it was the dumbest thing. He had two targets set up, paper targets set up, and they're about, I'd say, seven yards away from each mm -hmm. other between the two of them, right? And he's standing 10 yards away from those right in the middle, mm. okay? So uh, kind of that bump traversing stuff that we did last night, a little bit of that, right? Mm. But you're supposed to put 
five rounds on the left target and five rounds on the right target as fast as you can possibly go do it, right? We're like, okay. So he gets up there to do it. He's going to demo this. And I am not kidding you. This guy shoots his five rounds, you know, traverses over to the next, shoots five rounds. There was not one round in the body of either of these two targets. He completely missed like rounds in the paper part and the corners over the shoulders. So nothing on the silhouette. Nothing. On both targets. On both targets. And all of us in the group are like looking at each other. Obviously, I'm not saying anything, but like everyone's like looking like, oh my God. And then he like totally tried to play it cool. Like, see, so that's what you want to do. And no no one's going to say anything because of how this guy was. Mm -hmm. But it was just like, this is the dumbest thing. And then every single person that got up there to do it, you know, we're trying to make our hits, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's just been drilled into us. And that's what we're supposed to do. And he's like, you need to shoot faster, shoot faster. You need to go faster. He's just screaming at us. And this guy is a complete mess of a human being, like complete mess of a human being. But he would constantly talk about how amazing he was, of course. <laughs> oh. It's just like the worst person ever. Yeah. <laughs> and he hated mm-hmm. and I mean, hated me. Hated every single thing about me. He tried to be a security police officer multiple times. Couldn't pass the run. Oh. He couldn't pass the run. He'd fail it every single time. It's very simple. Mm. Like, get on the treadmill, man. Run it under the time. You're good. Can't right. do it. He couldn't do it. So there's like a vendetta there. It was like some... Anyways. Yeah. So... So you, so would you say you've had to face a lot of that type of adversity oh as, a, yeah. as, a, as a female in your field? Yes. It, unfortunately, it's really all I know. Like, and it's now I'm to the point, you know, I've been doing this for a while now. I'm to the point where I don't expect it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm such a sarcastic asshole bitch, man. Mm-hmm. I can be now. Whereas when I was younger, I would let it go. Don't say anything. Let it ride. Just keep driving forward. Keep your head down. You know, cool. And I get it. And that fit for that time frame. But now... If someone's an asshole to me or is rude to me or makes some slide comment that me as a female, I'm supposed to just laugh and giggle and touch their shoulder and like let it play. Like, Brittany, don't do that anymore. Mm. Like, I just, I just call people out now. People, I've had people say all kinds of crazy things and do all kinds of crazy things. And, and I'll literally say to them, like, do you really think that's funny? Do you think that that's something people find funny now? Mm. Like you degrading women? Really? Like, oh. where, where are you at? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want someone to say that to your daughter or to your wife? You know, like, why is it okay for you to say it to me then? Yeah. And then you what, know? what is their response to that when you do that? Do they instantly go into shame mode and they're like, oh, okay. So a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, the, they will backpedal. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I didn't mean it like that. Oh, I no, no. This is what I was trying to say. Oh, I was, you know, it was a joke, but mm-hmm. I was just trying to backpedaling. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. Or um, incredibly awkward, incredibly uncomfortable because no one said anything to them before because every other female that they've come across in their life has just laughed it off mm-hmm. and patted them on the shoulder and been like, oh, you're so funny. That's so funny, you yeah. know? And I get it because I used to do that. And I felt pressure with society to do that, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's interesting being a, a woman and especially in this time right now, this era where there's people who are not women who are saying that they are women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't have yes. to go down that whole road, right. but you know, I save women's sports like big yeah. time anyways, but yeah, it's uh I've never thought it's 
a big deal for me to be a female to do this. But see, I'm a female. It's This is me. This is who I am. And so I've never really considered that a big deal, but it's apparently a really big deal to a lot of people and they make it a big deal. And that bothers me because I wish that it wasn't, you know, but that's just going to come with time. Hopefully. I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, I've got a fun story about like how my perspective shifted. Cause I grew up in a very ultra religious, ultra conservative household when I was a kid okay. out on our little ranch in Wyoming and very gender-based roles, very traditional, what mm-hmm. are considered, like I guess, old school traditional sure. roles where like mom was the caretaker, mom did the laundry, mom cooked the meals, mom did the grocery shopping, yeah. mom did all of the home care, you know, <clears> and then, you know, the dude that, like I said earlier, the guy, the, st- the, the my stepdad, the guy that fucked my mom and just showed up and was kind of a piece of shit human. Um, yeah. Uh, he... You know, just would went go, go to work and go to work, earn the money, earn the money. Yep, come mm-hmm. home and then do whatever the fuck he wanted to do. And mm-hmm. so I grew up like that. And yeah. so then I also grew up like in an era of, you know, don't be a pussy, don't be a little girl, stop, stop being a little bitch. You know, yeah, like yeah, all sure. the super derogatory, stupid shit that I think that's offensive to me now when I hear people. Say, yeah. Um. Is uh, you know I. I, the reason that how this got cured for me is after my operational career and after my divorce, I met this chick and she was somebody I dated and she was an ultra runner. Oh, those people are hardcore she mentally would, and she, physically. She run, she run hundred mile races. Unreal. Unreal. And she fucking, and like I just said, I, here I was, I just got off an operational career. I was a couple of years down the road from now, but I, you know. Had stayed in relatively good shape, had a CrossFit gym for a while, yeah. was into CrossFit, was an instructor, came from a military, you know, um, background, you know, combat arms background yeah. of, and, and contracting background of like being physically fit all the time. All the time. Right. And Peak she performance. fucking crush me. Sure. Crush me. A hundred mile races. Yeah. Like, oh my God. And so then that's when I just like, and then, you know, the thing, the other thing too, that I really liked about her is that she was. She was a feminist, but she wasn't like a fucking like, you know, there's shades of gray. She was, she, she was proud of being a woman and she was not afraid to do like what you just said where like she, she would stick up for herself or she, and I remember just because of the way that I was raised, sometimes I would say stupid shit and she would just look at me and be like, do you really fucking believe that? Mm Mm-hmm. She'd call you out. She'd call me out. I love and, this girl. And, and yeah. And she yeah. would, and I'm still friends with her. Okay, She's cool. like the only one of my exes that I'm still friends, friends with. with. Yeah. Um, I mean, she shattered my heart into a million pieces and I had to recover from that. But <laughs> when I look back on it, I was like, I was kind of a shitbag human back then. So like, I understand. Uh, and it was a whole learning process, but the learning from her about kind of a, uh, I would say an enlightened or an enhanced or fuck a normal way to like think about men and women mm-hmm. uh on more of an equal footing and playing field she taught me real quick that like men are not superior to women yeah. in a lot of ways she was extremely intelligent had a master's degree and just a fucking physical slayer 100 mile race is unreal yeah like, and just she you know when i first met her you know everything was cool and then she was like hey let's go for a run yeah <laughs> And I was like, oh, cool. And, you know, like sure. the, the furthest I'd ever run in my life, I think up to that point, was like I'd done a half marathon. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. 13 miles. Right. And I thought I was big shit. Right. Because I'd done it's 13 miles. a huge miles. deal. Yeah. So she took me out for <clears throat> the first run we went on, 16 miles. Unbelievable. And she smashed me, like crushed me. Well, yeah. Like she was sitting, 
she was sitting She's on like, the, you good, bro? She was sitting <laughs> on the tailgate of my truck, drinking a beer, waiting for me. And I, she finished, fuck, a good 10 minutes before I wow. did. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because I off the couched it, you know, like, uh, you know, my, sure. my stupid She's little male, yeah. my stupid little male ego. I was like, I got this. I and got then this. I, I off the, I did it. It was an off the couch. Wow. First, first run of spring for the training season. Yeah. And uh, we went for a run in Teton National Park and she, we ran from the gate of Teton National Park to Jenny Lake and back. And it's, it's 16 oh, miles. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's 16 miles. And I've, so, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's, and that's beautiful. so beautiful. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Too. Yeah. yeah. And she, fucking slayed me and, that. and I got there and I just stood there and she just had a big smile on her face and she's like come get a beer Aww. and she gave me a beer and Aww. and uh that was kind of like my awakening to how you know my my thought process and how I was raised and how I perceived the genders and sexes was like mm-hmm. fucking skewed and flawed and I did not like I didn't like how when she would correct me on things sometimes I didn't like how that felt in terms of like if I, I was like, oh, wow, I am, I am skewed. I am, I'm being a little bit gross right now. I'm being a little bit, you know, misogynistic yeah, or sure. like, and mm-hmm. it was, it was not intentional. It mm-hmm. was just programmed into me Programming. from a young age yeah. of like, this is me- this is how the relationship between men and women is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I started feeling like, this is kind of gross. I don't like how this feels. Yeah. So like, I need to adjust my attitude about this and it's completely okay for women to be amazing at things and, and crush me at things and teach me at things. Right. And it kind of shifted my perspective really, really hard. And now I'm to the point where like, I dig it when I see chicks fucking slay dudes at things that they're male dominated. Right. And so, I mean, it's one of the reasons why, you know, uh, having the product side of the company that mm-hmm. I have. And then, you know, I remember, you know, getting a hold of my friend and I'm like, Hey, who do you think some female athletes are in the firearms industry that are, actual like great athletes good instructors and are professional and somebody that you think would be a good fit for maybe you know running our products or like being associated with my Mm -hmm. company and my buddy you know gave me your name and that's how yeah and that's how I found out about you is like I I searched you on uh you know after he gave me your name Uh he gave me the names of like four or five women who he was like these are the women that I think are you know upper crust people that are like not uh, gun bunnies, uh-huh, you know, yeah. and you know, mm-hmm. so my definition of a gun bunny is, you know, a girl that's like using firearms and her, uh, you know, female accoutrements to like get attention on social media and mm-hmm. she doesn't train normally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she doesn't, she doesn't really have that level of proficiency, mm-hmm. uh, with a firearm and it's just mainly using firearms to get attention on social media. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't, and there's people that there's companies in this industry, as you know, that will target those specific types of people because they'll be running around in a bikini, mm-hmm. you know, which I'm a fucking very, I'm an, I'm an aficionado of the female form and uh, I appreciate sure, sure. the female form, sure. you know, sculptors and artists from, since we learned how to like use paintbrushes <laughs> and, and sculpting tools have been like, you know, uh, this is beautiful. Yes, correct. <laughs> this is beautiful. We should, we, we should, should look at this yes, and we enjoy should, it. Yes, we should look at yes. this and enjoy it. So, I don't necessarily have anything, you know, against it per se, but it's just not the lens that, or it's not the angle that I was trying to hit things from. And so Mm -hmm. I wanted like people that were professional. And so then I researched you and then uh, looked at your page and then like talked to a few people and they're like very professional, very, extremely great shooter. 
and then like yeah oh. doing doing a doing a dive on your on your um, page i was like yeah she's she's very professional and very um it looks like she's fr- you know from an outside from what you can get from open source sure. w- a quick open source glance like it, it looked i was like okay yeah she she looks like she's a great fit she's not like out there in, you know in a thong bikini with like yeah. her you know, Glock resting on her butt cheek while she was like <laughs> taking a little smiley selfie, selfie yeah, <laughs> next to a pool. So I'm like, oh yeah, she's like actually out there with some like squared away belt kit on, like nerding out on your gun belt yesterday. Yeah, I was yeah. like, fuck yeah, this thing's set up great. <laughs> it's got some awesome pouches on it. So um, <clears throat> all that being said, like that's, I mean, I really, I have a high, high respect for women that go out and are professionals and that dominate or that will go out and outperform guys that are in male dominated areas. Mm-hmm. Like I, I dig it. And I really, I think it's awesome now because it always reminds me of that run that I got crushed on. Like that sticks with, that's always, it's going to be with me for the rest of my life. But now instead of like being pissed off about it mm-hmm. or being offended because a girl beat me, yeah. now I enjoy it. I'm like, fucking you go girl. That's yeah, awesome. Right. And yeah. what can you teach me? Yeah. What can you teach me now about like, and so now I tell everybody like, if a Girl Scout can teach me how to build a campfire better and faster, yeah, I'm I'm all ears. Like right. I'm a student. Like sit, I'll mm-hmm. sit down with a nine year old Girl Scout if she could teach me how to like you know build a, a campfire really well. I'm like, yeah, teach me, mm-hmm. you know, or which cookies taste the best because I'm, I'm I, I love I'm still to this day I like I'm a sucker for like Girl Scout. I'll go to the store and they'll be like, would you like a box of cookies? Yes, I'll take yes. I'll take that box, that box, that box. Right. Yeah. My oldest yeah. son, his friend was uh, is a Girl Scout. She was selling mm-hmm. cookies. It's so nice and convenient now because you can just go on their thing on mm-hmm. the, you know, and it's her th- stuff. And yeah. we bought like, oh, my God, it was like $80 worth of cookies. But I wanted to support her. And mm-hmm. then she delivers them here. So it was like cute. You know, it was fun. Oh, yeah. I'm all about the Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad that that girl came into your life mm-hmm. and that you had that experience and yeah. that she opened that window for you. And, you know, that's, I love that about people and Mm -hmm. relationship because, you know, I've, uh, I've experienced so many just like you and everybody, right? And every once in a while, the world reminds me that there's still that old school mindset out there. And, oh, it's alive and well. There's, there's, there's guys still now, you know, just uh, last week, there was some dude on my Instagram being a troll, Mm -hmm. which is like so 2010, right? Like, who still does that? Correct. And he is literally putting me down because I'm a female teaching handgun and carbine fundamentals. Mm. And he's just offended that I am doing that. He's right. like, like, I had no, I have no place in this world to do such a thing. Like, I should be, I can't even, I shouldn't even be driving a car. Like, right. and I'm just like, oh my God. And I know that's just a small example, but that, that kind of mindset you should is be in still, the, you should be in the kitchen making him a sandwich. Right. With yeah. barefoot. Right. Or whatever. And so uh, the way, um, there's a couple terms that you just said that are, that are interesting. And I just want to point them out. Like, so <clears throat> the term feminism, mm-hmm. right. Or being a feminist has such a negative view. Like everyone hears that term and it's like, Oh, it's extreme. It's, Oh, you know, mm-hmm. but if you actually Google and look at the definition, it's not an extreme definition. It's right. just literally that you believe in women's rights. Yes. And you support women's rights. Mm-hmm. That's really pretty much what it sums up. And so I think everyone's a feminist, or at least I believe everyone should be a feminist, you know, in that capacity. But mm-hmm. I know that obviously there have been extremes over the years which mm-hmm. have created that negative connotation to it. So, like, there's that that there. So 
I do feel like I am a feminist. I, well, I know why that extremism <clears throat> exists. It's because of the social, the societal like inertia that we just discussed. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, dudes trying to shove women in a box for so fucking long because yeah. that's where we traditionally came from back in the day. Like that's how things were back in the day, and like we've evolved mm-hmm. out of that. But it's still, it's still hanging around. Like we just said, yeah. it's still hanging around. It still exists. So. I can see why the pendulum has swung to the extreme side of the feminist mm-hmm. scale. Mm-hmm. Not that I agree with any type of extremism. Like right, I'm right. like a very, like I like things very balanced and very in the middle. Sure. But yeah, you, to your point, like it's not, it's the definition of it is not an extreme thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love people and good people, you know, yeah. especially, but if you look at history and I think a lot of, you know, exp- I think our generation, we probably still have a good grasp on history. I mm-hmm. think anything past us is, not you know that Correct. sucks yeah. and really scares me about the world but black males were actually able to vote before women any woman you know so like if you if you really think about that that's like that's pretty intense yeah. right because if you look at like slavery and how things were all of that the fact that they were still willing to allow black males to vote prior to allowing females to vote think about that is crazy to me right i mean they used to literally own these people Mm -hmm. you know it's just wild to me so um yeah not our not our best either one of those Mm -hmm. examples not our best example of the type of humans that we've like and yeah like so racism slavery all of those things like women's rights women's suffrage like Mm -hmm. all all that stuff like it's it's uh it's not our our best most shining example so like i i can understand so why the seeds were planted you know literally for hundreds of years for and watered for these extremes to exist. Yeah. So, and then you look at people, right. And you look at generations, Mm -hmm. right. So great grandpa had this belief Mm -hmm. and system and then grandpa had similar, you know, and then dad, and then, you know, you just, all of those get passed down. That's why I think we have terms like FUD. Yeah. Right. There's that FUD mentality. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say this for the record. I don't think I've said this on a podcast before, but, when I worked at an indoor shooting facility years ago, I copyrighted, uh, not really, but I came up with the term Tom's, T-O-M-S. Okay. And because. Is that like a, is like, like mar- male it's Karen? It's a, yes, like a male it is Karen? exactly. Okay. So I call it typical old man syndrome. Okay. Is what, awesome. Or Tom's. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. Like I'd have these like FUD guys that would come in, these mm-hmm. old guys that would come in or whatever, mm-hmm. and they would just blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. And hey, I, little darling, back in my day, we oh, used to do it like this. Geez. I can't. I can't. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have, I don't know, maybe we just didn't know about the FUD term or maybe mm-hmm. it wasn't like as uh, popular as it is now. But it seemed to me like every single one of these guys, their name was Tom for some reason. Mm-hmm. There was like a few guys named Tom. And so I came up with typical old man syndrome, Toms. And then it would be to the point where like, I would have a Tom experience going on mm-hmm. behind the counter and I would, I would joke around and, you know, I would say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I missed your, what's your name? Is your name Tom? Did you say your name was Tom? <laughs> and like awesome. my coworkers of course would like start laughing and stuff, but yeah, I mean, there's the generational stuff, right? So that guy has his thoughts and views and he just passes those down and, and how people view women or, or whatever, you know? And I grew up in a really small town in the Northwest corner of Iowa I'm talking less than 100 people. Cornfield country? Yes, very small. Yeah. Okay. I was the only female child in the town. And I had like, I had an older brother. And then I had like nine other boys in the town. 
And what was the population? I think at the time it was maybe it was less than a hundred. It had to be like maybe ninety or something like that. Oh wow, it's one now, of those like blink your eye and you miss it while you're driving yeah, through type thing. Yeah. yeah. Now it's really low. Now it's like sixty or seventy or something oh, like wow. that. So it's really gotten smaller. <clears throat> but um, so beautiful though. Yeah. Gorgeous. Mm. Like the most beautiful little town you could imagine. <laughs> like magic. Very grateful I grew up that way. When I was growing up that way, I was not grateful for growing up that way. Me either. But now looking like, back, I'm like, same, right? Like, thank God I live. I didn't. Could you? I couldn't imagine growing up in like Brooklyn or something like that. Mm. You know, it's just completely different. Not saying one's better or worse, but right. for me, I'm glad I had to rough it out like that. But so I grew up with all the boys, and you know, this is embarrassing, but it's reality. Is like my mom uh, has told me. She's like, yeah, I remember when you were like six years oldish she's like i would in the summertime she's like i would have to tell you to put a shirt on because all the little boys i would be hanging out with none of them wearing shirts yeah so everybody was summer yeah you know and so i'm not wearing a shirt and i'm i'm a six-year-old little girl like i don't i look the same as them (laughs) you know at that point so i just remember uh i remember that and i remember like you know it's almost like if you have a you know a rabbit in a chicken coop you know Mm. the rabbit's going to start acting like a chicken Right. Right. You know, kind of a thing. I I was still very girly and I, I am very feminine person, but <clears throat> I was exposed to that at a very young age. I was around a, a band of brothers and those dudes had my back, mm. man. They treated me like a lady, but they treated me no different than all the other boys. And what it really boiled down to in that small town life was you're either cool or you're not cool. Like right. you're either a good person and we want to hang out with you or you don't. So that was instilled in me in a really young age of like work hard and know your job and do your job and then be cool where people want to work with you. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can be like the most amazing person at your job, but if you're an asshole prick, nobody's going to want to work with you, you know? So like contribute to the team, contribute to your group, like always kind of have that mentality so um yeah i always say be a value add yeah be right yeah so yeah, that's why like last night i showed up and i'm like okay let me help you like unload targets and like put up targets and get your gear unloaded because like i can't i'm like always like you know so i mean a tactical euphemism your favorite word tactical yeah <laughs> always you know always be working or always be looking you for were work. tactically helping me yeah i was, tac- I was tactically <laughs> i was tactically helping you unload, unload steel targets <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. but I'll always be, <clears throat> always try and be a value add to right. whatever you're doing or whoever you're around. Yeah. Like even if it's at the grocery store and like I see, uh, which has happened on several occasions, like I'll see a little lady like pushing her and she's trying to like barrel through some like yeah. six inches of snow in her cart and like, I'm like, she's going to slip and break a hip. So I'm like, hey, can I help you? Mm-hmm. And I'll like push her cart to her car and then I'm like, okay, let me, can I help you put your groceries in your car for you? Yeah. You know, just little small interactions like that. Like yeah. it takes five minutes. Yeah. You know, out of my day to do things like that for complete strangers. So like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a, be a, be a, being a value adds important, but mm-hmm. the, yeah, the, I think these are, you know, what you're, you're describing as like being a little girl who's like running around like a, you know, wild little, like a little wildling, yeah. like a little tribal wildling yep. in the, in the woods with the boys with no shirt on. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, that's just short proves, hair. Yeah. Proves the point that these weird social constructs are learned behaviors. Yes. Because you didn't, nobody was looking at you from what you just described and saying like, oh, she's a girl. She's she can't, trans. She can't hang out with us. Oh, yeah. She can't hang out with us. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or yes, what you just said, mm-hmm. which is like, which is 
kind of the problem nowadays. Could you imagine if you took that and put it into this era? Oh, I yeah. would have immediately people would be like, oh, oh she's she, going to transition. She's, she's, she identifies as a boy. She, so. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. That would have happened. Mm-hmm. And um, I did get bullied a little bit, uh, like in that early middle school age. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone does, but because uh, people were always like tomboy, tomboy, mm-hmm. which was fine. I was cool with the tomboy term. But then mm-hmm. it was like, oh, you're a lesbian. You're 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 a dyke. You're a, I'm trying to think of the mm-hmm. negative terms. towards Super, lesbian. We can't yeah. remember. But that, that's what they would call me mm-hmm. and stuff. And at that age, I was so innocent and stuff. I didn't even know what that was. How old were you when this was happening? I mean, I was probably like eight, nine, ten. Yeah. You know? And I was such an innocent kid. So I didn't get it. But I loved playing football. Mm-hmm. I loved doing everything. Right. I. But at the same time, I liked going shopping with my mom and doing mm-hmm. that stuff. So um, I could only imagine what it is like now and how easily – a, a, a little girl that it would be in the same situation that I am. And yeah. then people start f- feeding the transitioning stuff into yeah. them. And then I could see how very easily that's such a, a very moldable age where if you got that in my head at that age, maybe I would have started to second guess myself mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, maybe I am supposed to be a boy, you right. know, or some, again, yes. going back to that being a rabbit in a chicken coop mm-hmm. thing. Like, am I a rabbit or am I chicken? Correct. Like, this is what I look like, but, but, you know, I'm just saying I could see how with today's things and all of this stuff, the, this, even the stuff on the TV and the news and social media, how it, people, young children could easily be. Yeah, I, I understand completely why parents are pissed off and they're at school districts like raising hell right now with. I, I think there's a time and a place to introduce these concepts to children and it's not in grade school. Right. It's not in grade school. No, like no. maybe we wait until Let high school. Kids. Yeah. Like maybe we wait till high school or maybe even college before we start introducing all of these, you know, um, alternative social perspectives, which I don't believe there's anything wrong with that. Like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with like kids being introduced to these or not kids, but like young adults being introduced to these things and these concepts and then being able to make their own decisions without being force fed and socially indoctrinated into this shit. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's my two cents. on. So like when I watch the news and I see these parents going off at parent-teacher conferences yeah. over like, you know, critical race theory or, you know, what we've been discussing, which is like genders and, and yeah. perspectives <laughs> on, on uh, gender identity. Yeah. Like it, there's a time and place for it and it's not, it's not in fucking kindergarten. No. It's not in third grade. It's not in sixth grade. Right. Yeah. So, you know. I have uh-huh. a really hard time with the mutilation of the human body. Yeah. And I know that if you look at history, you know, um, same um, having sex with the same gender has mm-hmm. been going on for centuries. Yes. People have had orgies and mm-hmm. all of that stuff has always been happening, right? Right. And for me personally, like, I really don't care what anybody does in their mm-hmm. bedroom and in their intimate times with whoever their lover or lovers are or whatever mm-hmm. as long as I just hope nobody's getting hurt but like have fun you know right. like I don't care mm-hmm. right I want people to be able to explore and do whatever but I really do feel like there are going to be some certain cases in which people are born with uh, hormonal things or hermaphrodite or whatever mm-hmm. I'm not a medical person sorry yeah. but I feel like there is some mental issues that are occurring in which somebody is willing to completely mutilate their bodies and change and shift them 
there is, there's, I think that there's a lot of other things that need to be addressed and talked about and discussed prior to going to that extreme. Because right now, the way it's portrayed out in society is that, like, dude, you want to get it, you want to transition to the other gender? It's like, sign up, pay, start your hormone therapy. Right. I mean, and that's kind of, it's like a, it's like plastic surgery. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, just go get a nose job. You just pay the surgeon and get it done. It's, I think there's, there's a lot of other things that need to be addressed and talked about prior to that because um, the statistics on the, the transition and people wanting to transition back are incredibly high. It's in the 70% mm-hmm. range. Oh, pe- 70% of people that are, that are trans. That transition yeah. regret it and they want to go back. Oh, wow. I because the, the mental things that they're yeah. experiencing, the self-doubts, yeah. the low self-esteem and self-worth, the insecurities, mm-hmm. all of those demons that they're already, they've been fighting, mm-hmm. this didn't fix it. Right. So now their bodies are completely mutilated and mm-hmm. they're still fighting the same demons, you know, or whatever. That's scary. Yeah. Because once you go there, man, I don't know if you can go back. I don't know how that works out. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. I, yeah, depending on what, how much surgery you got, there's there yeah. could be no turning that, turning turning back on that. The so. first time I was exposed to men um, pretending or acting as women or vice versa, but it was mo- it was mostly males uh, being females. Was when I was in uh, Thailand. I went to Thailand yeah. for a couple years. I lived yeah, there. I, Oh, you lived in Thailand. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, because I've been. I went through there with the. You know, when I was on the was active say, duty, we yeah. we went through uh, deployments there. We I've stopped in Phuket twice. <gasps> I have some wild stories. About oh Thailand. man! But yeah, I caught one of my Marines like making out with a with a um, a lady boy, a lady, toy. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, yeah. there's people yeah. who go there just to do that. I know. Yeah, yeah. The sex a, industry is huge. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, it's like there. the Disneyland of yeah sexual anything you want. Yeah, yep. it's like well, the theme park. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that before I went there. Mm. You know, me, yeah. little innocent Brittany, naive, right? So you I'm like buying uh, books at Barnes & Noble, like reading about Thailand. Is it, was this when you were like college they, time frame? Uh, yes. <clears throat> okay. And so then you, you lived there for how long? Two years. I was there in uh, 04, 05. Do, do you speak Thai? A little bit. No. Okay. Oh, my God. Very little okay. at this point. Okay. So you're not fluent in Thai. No. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> When I was there, mm-hmm. I was I got quite good. Mm-hmm. I was I was very confident of, of ordering and, and approaching mm-hmm. people and asking questions and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but not anymore. Mm. I okay. know some I can remember like a couple of naughty things and then how to say hi and stuff like that. Food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God, my adventures in Thailand were every yeah, fifteen minutes was like a movie there. Mm-hmm. It was madness, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's some yeah, there's some very interesting dynamics that go on in thailand very but it's gorgeous picturesque oh, country wow. like and I rem- the people yeah, they're wonderful 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 people. people yeah i yeah when we, our ship pulled in there to port for the first time uh for us to have some liberty and get off the boat because we'd been at sea for a hot minute three or four months i think three months i remember coming up on the flight deck in the morning and like looking at and it was like a, a, a vacation Mm-hmm. pamphlet where you could yeah. look at it and you're just like oh man this this is amazing like mm-hmm. the water was such a crystal blue the jungle was like a vibrant green yeah. the beach was like <clears throat> ivory white yes. i was like the color spectrum there i was just like this is amazing what year were you there do you uh, remember is it before the tsunami yeah it was before it was uh-huh. it was yeah prior to 9-11 it was like 90 okay 90s i'm gonna date myself 90s no, okay. Seven. Okay, so before the tsunami, yeah, yeah. yeah. ninety-seven. Yeah. So, 
yeah, it was, it was amazing there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, yeah, I call it light and shadow aspects, the light aspects of, of Thailand. The people are amazing. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. It's, you know, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. The shadow side is it? Yeah. The sex trade is in like full swing mm -hmm. for sure there. Yeah. So, and then I, and I thought it was, uh, I mean, it is, it's very dark there in regards to that. But then when I went to Cambodia mm -hmm. I like, there's more layers of dark that oh. I was not aware of. Oh, wow. I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay. So I went to Cambodia once a month to do my visa run. Okay. Because as an American citizen, you can only stay in Thailand for 30 days and then mm. you have to leave the country. And I actually followed the rules. So I just, every 30 days, I would go to another country and just do a border crossing and mm -hmm. get my, my visa. Or is it just like you stamped. could, just a one day thing? You just have I to would pop most, out? And most of the back? time. Sometimes I did some longer trips mm. here and there okay. for fun. But um, I was working while I was over there. So, like, you know, I had obligations and stuff. But yeah, Cambodia was a nightmare. It's even stuff. worse, huh? Yeah. Okay. I saw, you know, two or three o'clock in the morning, there's a Westerner man walking down the sidewalk holding the hand mm -hmm. of a five-year-old child. Oh, my God. Stuff like that. And then, like, mm -hmm. the more uh, the more grotesque things would be, like, um, if you're born with a disability or some sort of um, physical, you know, whatever, like, mm -hmm. it was definitely made profit of for sure you know things like that oh, wow uh, do you know about the dark web i do you on there i'm kidding <laughs> yeah i have ro rpg rockets delivered to the house once really? i'm on yeah. i'm on i'm like a subscription basis for uh yeah. for rpg rockets so. okay nice yeah. okay is, okay yeah. yeah so keep the rpg7 like well stocked but there no you go. like that yeah like i f i can't remember when i found out about the dark web but i went down a rabbit hole when i heard about it and I probably am red flagged because I Googled and learned and read all this stuff and watched some documentaries about it. So did it. you ever get on it? No, 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 no. I would Silk Road, as it is called. Yes, right. Yeah. No, but I, but I'm one of those. I love to research stuff, mm -hmm. and there, it's interesting because like I'm such a such like positive, loving, kind person. I think mm -hmm. so, anyways. But I'm very interested in like very dark things, mm -hmm. like the dark web, the Holocaust. When I was in middle school, I was like obsessed with the Holocaust and like yeah. Nazi Germany and stuff because it just blows my mind that humanity is capable of doing such horrible things. Do you understand better now, though, in light of like all of the COVID mass formation psychosis, like how that could have happened? Because people yes. look back on that time in history prior to COVID and everybody was always like, I don't understand how anything like that could have right. ever happened. Yeah. No one will ever do that to me. No one. Yeah. No one will mm -hmm. ever do that. That could never happen again. Yeah. Come take my guns. Yeah. And yeah. now, you know, after going through COVID and like seeing like how quickly mm -hmm. you can indoctrinate humans to believe a certain thing and then fracture them into groups yes, and then manipulate them into basically policing the other group. Mm-hmm. Like the whole COVID experiment was very, it was very interesting to me to so sit back and watch all of that happen. <clears throat> and, and, um, you know, and now it's just gone again. Yeah. And now people are, people are like, now people are like, it forgot about, you know, all these things. They forgot about all the shit that's happened. They forgot about, you know, the over 20,000 people that the vaccine has killed. Uh, they forget about the 20 plus thousand people that have, have been permanently disabled or injured by the vaccine. They forget about like how the government completely overreached and locked people in their homes and fucking have fucked up the economy. Probably part oh, of the reason why God, our gas so is so bad. Five dollars and 65 cents a gallon here in Las mm -hmm. Vegas. But it's uh, all these things are uh, watching all of that happen from a historical standpoint. It's it's funny that you mentioned Nazi because. 
you know, the Holocaust yeah. was fucking horrific. And people often sit back and they're like, and what what sticks with me is that the Nuremberg trials, when they're, you know, basically trying these Nazis for war crimes, they're like, oh, I was just following orders. Mm-hmm. And now, like, with this COVID situation, like, you had people that were like, you know, well, it's mandated. We have to do it. Mm-hmm. It's this. It, well, And I used to, like, I've got, I got into a couple of yelling matches with people over the mask stuff, you know, because... Oh. Yeah, because I'm like, hey, guess what? This There's been no randomized trial to prove the efficacy of your mask. And if you want to dig into science and data, which are big at using those terms, the virus is 0.01 micron. That mask you have on your face only stops 0.03 micron. So, like, that's known. And why are you trying to make me put something on my face that mm-hmm. is not effective? Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. To does not. You. Yeah, does not work. Mm-hmm. And so then... What was... And people are still wearing them. Yeah. Yes, they are. People still wear them. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's amazing to me. And, and here's, here's what I... And I've said this since the beginning. I just believe in individuals' freedom to choose yeah. for themselves. If so you want to like, wear it, wear it. If you don't, you don't. Right. But... That's fine. Don't kick me out of a restaurant because mm-hmm. I don't have a vaccination passport or because I have... And that happened to me in Portland. I was unable... I was traveling through Portland. I was doing podcasts. I was... Visiting friends, one of my really good friends, James. James, if you're listening to this, what's up, bro? He Hi James. He he is he's a phenomenal firearms instructor as well. Oh phenomenal. Oh. He he I need to take a class. He's one of the mm-hmm. uh proprietors of Arcane Group and him and Oh, I, I've I've heard of these guys. Yeah, and he is him and I work together at Cogworks as instructors and Oh my God. Okay. Got you. I've never met James, but I know about him through one of my really good friends. Yeah. So yes, he's I've heard a, amazing things. Fantastic. Yeah. He's been yeah. on the, he's been a guest on the podcast a couple of times now, but he, I will listen and judge. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, <laughs> he's great. He's one of my favorite people for sure. So I was out there mm-hmm. visiting him cause he lives in, he lives in that area. And so I, you know, I was passing through town and then I was like, Oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to stop and eat at this restaurant mm-hmm. and walk around downtown. There's a really great Japanese store downtown called Kiriko. Okay. And they make like really cool Japanese shit. I mean, it's awesome. They have all kinds of like little knickknack products and textiles and they sew. Oh, cool. They'll take, they'll do cool shit. Well, they'll take like a, a tiger stripe military blouse, you know, like a, yep, a uniform yep. that you'd wear. And then they use Japanese like textiles that they import from Japan to like put patchwork on them or like replace the pockets with like Japan and they make it like a kimono. Like a kimono cool, top. Cool. So it'll be like tiger stripe, yeah. but then it'll have like these awesome design, like uh, Japanese designed pockets Rad. on it or yeah. panels, you know, going down the sides. <laughs> it's an awesome store. So I went down there to buy, uh, they also make really hand ornate hand carved like wooden spoons and chopsticks cool. and they make really awesome shit. So I went down there to, to buy some stuff. Yeah. And um, they're like, no. No, they let me in. Okay, okay. But then I went to eat across the, the street. Oh, gotcha. And was not able to, like, they wouldn't let me in. They kicked me out. They're like, do so you the, have... So the, the qualification was you had to show your yep. vaccination card. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And and you just had to go, here's it is. Yeah. And then, but they're, and then we're like, no. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, wouldn't let me, wouldn't let me in because I didn't have that at the time. Wow. See, with Nazi Germany, right? That whole thing, everyone... But where's your they, papers? They, they think that it was like, oh, they just came and grabbed everybody and threw them on trains and did this. No, dude. There no, was, it was like, there was this whole series of things. And then before you know it, they were living in certain areas of town. Mm-hmm. And then, then they had to wear the star. And mm-hmm. then the whole thing, like, that's how this goes. Yeah. For me. Piece with, at a time. With COVID, um, I'm going to say this. And I hope none of my friends judge me right now that are listening, if they listen to this. 
it was interesting for me to sit back and see who I know in my peer group and my family group and watch who got vaccinated, mm-hmm. who got boosters, and who ended up doing all of those things, yeah. right? And again, I'm not judging, but I'm always judging, right? Right. So it's just like human nature. interesting to see there's some people that I never thought that they would, mm-hmm. and they did it. Yeah. And so it, it's just interesting mm-hmm. like to sit back and kind of see my peer group and see who did what and, and why, you know, because there was a, there was several that they either did it or they lost their job. Yeah. You know, and I understand there's, oh, there's the hardcore ones out there. That big like, class action lawsuits on the horizon for, for all of sure. that shit. Yeah. yeah. And I get it. Like there's people who are like, well, then fuck that. Just quit your job. Fuck that. And I'm like, I understand. But at the same time, you know what? Not when you've got years and years of fucking uh, yeah. seniority or years of a particular trade craft or years of an education, yeah. you know, like. Or who's going to pay for your fucking groceries? Mm hmm bro like yeah. these people have to live they have to survive they kids have families to feed. and kids i mean come on mortgages and that's that's why it's interesting is that they took that approach mm-hmm. with the vaccine of like you have to get it otherwise you're going to lose your employment because all of us middle class americans are like i'm a hard working middle class american i right. need my job like I, okay stick me mm-hmm. you know I've, i i don't have 10 backup plans. I don't have all of this stuff. I can just live, you know, I, I need my job. So it's just interesting to me. And then they got, you know, they pushed it that way. When yeah, they did I, that, I was like, oh God, here we go. Well, the other thing that made it was really interesting also is the, how healthcare workers were considered front lines oh, and they were heroes and they were, they were, and then they just fired them all. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, you don't want to play ball. Then you're fired. Yeah. We need to get, it, it, the thing that killed me is like, we need to get vaccination. Everybody needs to get vaccinations to protect the medical workers so that they can yeah. do their, continue to do their jobs. And we don't overwhelm the hospitals and this, that, and the other. And then anybody that didn't want to play ball got fired anyway. Okay. So let me get this straight. Like you made, you actually, by mandating this stuff and saying you either get jabbed or you lose your job you, with this particular professional class of people in the medical field, you made us less Mm-hmm. effective because in some cases like 30 percent i know of a couple of cases where 30 percent of the hospitals like they bounce they're like peace yeah yeah and now like there's some hospitals that are like very extremely understaffed that are yeah. scrambling to like get people to come back to work mm-hmm. and uh they're not capable like they're not you know in, in my field we called it combat effective yeah like if you could if you could do your job and perform your mission mm-hmm. or your function you're combat effective if you for whatever reason, don't have your supplies, are injured, are sick, or whatever. You're not combat effective. You can't, you can't do your job. Mm-hmm. And that I feel like we made our medical system not combat effective. Hundred percent. And so, yeah, the whole thing is super wild. But it's the the whole how easy it is to a sub, like a case study and how easy it is to fuck with the social fabric of a you know, not just of our country, but of the world, like watching what was going on. Large scale. Yeah. I see a lot of it. I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of it done on a very small scale Mm -hmm. too. Like there's some really shitty fucking people in this world that manipulate people. Yes. And really fuck their lives. Mm -hmm. And yeah, God, oh, I just, and they get by, some of these people get by and they keep doing it over and over and over again. And oh my God, it's just terrible. So Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot in this world that's so beautiful and so incredible and mm-hmm. some amazing people. And then there's a, there's a very dark side too. I'm a big believer in good and evil. It's equals, yes. it's, it's there, it's equally out there. 
Yeah, I've seen it. It exists. I've seen it in the eyeballs of some jihadis. I can in my imagine. Day. Yeah, so it's just a evil is inherent and it exists. It yeah. is. It is out there for sure. And you know, it's that's wh- why we got to protect ourselves. Yeah, and it, it well, it's what cracks me up of, of with people that are like, you know, that want to bang the, the you know the diplomacy drum and be like, you know, peace, love, and happiness. Mm, and mm-hmm. I'm all about that too. Like there's a very, you know, for lack of a better term, hippie side of me. Uh, me too. You know, there's certain aspects of things that I, that I find valuable, you know, in that regard. But the people that live such a good high quality of life here in the United States that live in this fantasy world of, um, well, we should just negotiate with them. We should just mm, engage mm-hmm. them. We should just talk to them. Yeah, we should, yeah. Sit down, like this whole thing about like, well, we should have just listened to Russia's what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. well, what they want is to dominate the Black Sea area. They want control of the Black Sea. They want control of the nuclear plant, that the largest nuclear plant in Europe mm-hmm. that is in the Ukraine. They want yep. to control the gas and oil that's in Ukraine and all the farmland that's in Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, and they want to build a pipeline, oil and gas pipeline, so they can continue to dominate the energy industry in Europe. Yeah. And it's business. Yeah. So when people are like, well, we should have just, we should have just listened to what they wanted. Okay. Well, what they wanted was subterfuge. Them being like, oh, well, we just feel unsafe with NATO countries on our borders. Well, fuck, you're already sharing your border with some NATO countries already. Yeah. And then if you do take Ukraine, Congratulations, you now have like six or seven more NATO countries that will now border you. Yep. You've got Poland and Romania and Czechia and a bunch of other countries that, oh, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, all, yeah, the, all, all of those. those yeah. Those are all NATO countries. Yep. So the whole the whole argument is erroneous about, oh, well, we should have just listened to them and, they, and they, they didn't want NATO countries on their border. Well, guess what? If he is successful, if Putin is successful in his psychosis, and annexing Ukraine, however long it may take. I think we're at the front end of a multi-year, like, why, like he can't back out of this at this point, and he's not going to. And uh, He committed. He committed. So he's going, there is no way but forward for him, and he's mm-hmm. going to throw everything in the kitchen sink to include maybe nukes or chemical oh, weapons. God, please don't talk about yeah. either of those yeah, two I things. Know it literally makes me want to cry. Yeah, it's scary as shit. I am terrified. Mm-hmm. Well, you live it, you and you know you know the capabilities of those type of systems. I do. I oh man, mm-hmm. it would be so bad. And yeah. we have seen some of it in mm-hmm. our not too um, late history, right. right? That is a horrible, horrible way. Yeah, the, the chemical stuff, horrible way yep. to die. Mm-hmm. And oh my god. Yeah. And then it, don't even bring up the nuke card because once that card's played, it's like, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. And then I don't have an underground bunker. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's mutually assured destruction for sure. So I feel like. That's it, the end all be all. There. Yeah. Yeah. And so then people are like, well, what do you, what do you do? What's the solution? I know. right? And nobody has an answer for, th- I mean, I'll say the unpopular thing and I don't think that it should be, I mean, I don't agree with this being said per se but it's like what the only thing there is to do is you know we have to consider maybe removing the head of state that's got his finger on that button and like we have a strict policy against that i think right. we have laws like part of our title 50 or title 9 some title that we have or we will we do not assassinate heads of state but if it keeps a fucking nuclear holocaust from happening yeah 
I mean, there's a reason why his his cabinet members keep disappearing. I know, right? Where did his two last ministers of defense go? Right. People are not happy about the decision he's made in Russia, and yeah. they're like, they're against they're, it. Yeah, they're almost like, hey, I can't be a part of this. Yeah, anybody. My moral code. Right. Mm. Yeah. And, and they the, literally disappear. Yeah, he's probably. Because they don't want to be found by anybody. Right. They're, him. they're probably, yeah, they either disappear because they're like, I'm out late. Or they're. Yeah, or he's pulling a Stalin and a sass. Like, he's like, hey, let's have dinner, and then slipping some rice and into their. Into their uh, vodka while they're sitting at oh, dinner. Oh, you don't want to play the same game I want to play? Yeah. Okay, then you got to go. Yeah. Next. You're dead. Yeah. Who wants to Who wants to do this death and destruction with me? Yeah, correct. I so. need to find people for that team. Yeah, that's what he's looking for. Yeah, so it's, it's scary on, like, what's going on in the world right now with uh, that whole situation and, and just the the psychosis and the evil that exists and you can't reason with it. You can't negotiate with it. Mm-hmm. It's like that movie. It's like the, the movie, the Terminator, when you hear like Kyle Reese talking about the Terminator and he's like, you, you can't reason with him. You can't talk him out of this. You can't, you're not going to negotiate with him. He is going to kill you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's yelling at Sarah Connor in, in the movie and, and that's, that's how some evil is in the world. Yes. You know, yes. with, with Putin, that's, that's the type of evil he is. And mm-hmm. with, you know, Islamic fundamentalism that's yeah. that's the type of evil they are mm-hmm. like there was no negotiating with some of those jihadis I mean anybody that is believes strongly enough in their whatever you know their extremist view is mm-hmm. to strap explosives on themselves and detonate them killing them to tr- hopefully try and take you with them mm-hmm. That is a level of evil that cannot be reasoned with. It cannot be negotiated with. It cannot yeah. be. There's no form of diplomacy. There's no tool in your diplomatic toolbox that's going to negotiate with that. Yeah. And there's other factors that are applied in that situation as well, mm-hmm. right? So like what this person believes is going to happen to them in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. What kind of brainwashing or manipulation mm-hmm. that they. Because these guys are so young too. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that trips me out is like, I think, I don't know. You have to correct me. I'm pretty sure like if you're like 35 in that in that part of the mm-hmm. world, you're like kind of an old person. Like you don't, you know, there's not, their um, pyramid is a little bit upside down and mm-hmm. skewed as far as age goes. But like, it trips me out that these like 22 year old guys are like doing that. They have their whole lives ahead of them. And they're just mm-hmm. like, they believe wholeheartedly that when they die, mm-hmm. they're going to be honored. And all of this amazing stuff's going to happen to them. Yeah. But they're just a bunch of meat on the road spread yep. all over the place, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, they believe that they're going to get their 72 virgins in paradise. Is that what it is, 72? Mm-hmm. 72 virgins. Jesus, who needs that many virgins? That's kind of weird. Really? <laughs> I agree with you. Like, I agree with you. 72. 72. Why, se- why 72? There's a reason. There's a reason for 72. Yeah. I'm sure we could Google it. Yeah. But then there will be black or red flags some more because right. I'm always Googling really terrible things. Your Google history is probably. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I go down rabbit holes for sure. Yeah, it's good to be aware of what's going on around you, though. Yeah. A lot of humans aren't. It's hard, though, because... They live in a, 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 continuous, a continuous state of um, ignorance. Yes. Where they, like, ignorance is bliss type situation yep. where they don't... They're just like, give me my MSNBC or give me my Fox News mm-hmm. and give me my, like, Sunday football game. And, like, I'll just continue to have blinders on and not do yeah. any... I don't want to do any critical thinking because it's too scary. Right. I was talking to a girl lives in this area. I wouldn't consider her a friend, but we know each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And our kids go to the same school and stuff like that. And she was bitching to me because she's like, the, pu- the bathrooms at the park are so filthy. There's shit all over them. 
like they're gross, they're dirty, da da da. She's mm-hmm. like bitching to me about that, and I get it. Like, yeah, that sucks. This is a nice area. We mm-hmm. want to keep the bathrooms nice, you know. But I asked her. I said, "When was the last time you went and drove down, you know, in this certain section of Vegas?" It's mm-hmm. like, it's rough, real rough, real right? rough, yeah. And she's like, "Oh, I've never even been down there. I don't think I'm like with these crossroads, like right around in this area." She I'm like, "You haven't ever been down there?" She's like, "No, I don't. I don't think so." I'm like, "I'm not telling you to go drive around down mm-hmm. there, you know, but like I've been down there." I've had to drive around to th- those areas, you know, working details and mm-hmm. stuff like that, following and looking for certain people, picking up trash, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. And, uh, oh, my God, that life, mm-hmm. you know, seeing people drugged out of their minds right. at 4 a.m. in the morning mm-hmm. and they're just standing there, seeing little kids in a diaper only that's probably they've been wearing for a couple of days, drinking a pre-sun uh, at 2 mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning, sitting in the front yard, playing in dirt, mm-hmm. you know, like fucked up shit man and every city area has stuff like that right correct and there's a lot of factors that go into areas like that and all of that but like you were saying it's that that ignorant bliss Mm -hmm. you know when was the last time you drove around the ghetto and not only gone man this is just a few miles away from my home right first of all and second of all man i'm really grateful for what i have people always say oh it's this is a safe area Mm -hmm. That is fucking bullshit. Yeah. Okay. If there are people in this area, it is an unsafe area. Okay. Because there's that factor alone. And then there's some really, really rough areas that Mm -hmm. have nothing to lose that are just a few miles away from here. Right. You know, they can very easily come up to these areas. And they do. Yeah. Because again, they know we we float around in that ignorant Mm -hmm. space of like, oh, it's safe here. Yeah. It's fine here. Mm -hmm. Man, I am... I'm jaded when it comes to things because I've had experiences that have taught me that lesson, which, uh, man, I don't trust easy at all. Mm-mm. Even strangers. Yeah. I am always assuming that someone else has a weapon on them mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't do well with people getting too close to me either. Like, uh, I kind of like, I, I kind of liked the the six foot rule mm-hmm. a little bit for some uh, so things. So did I. So did I. I yeah. Like, so did I. I was like, yeah, stay the fuck away. Yeah. Because one time I was in a bank and this old creepy guy. I want to say old. I was younger. I was probably in my late twenties, and he was probably in his fifties or something like that. Yeah. Not a gross looking guy, but a some off mm-hmm. vibes were not cool. And this dude, I could feel the breath coming out of his nose on the back of my neck. He was that close to me in line in a bank. Right. And so it's quiet. Mm-hmm. Right. You're in this line. You're standing there. And I'm like contemplating, like, what do I need to do? So nonverbally, I start kind of moving my body. He mm-hmm. follows and like wants to be this close to me. Finally, I lost my shit and I turn around. I was like, I need you to step back from me. You are way too close to me. You're making me feel uncomfortable. And everybody in that bank was like, what? Right. What is happening? Banks are like libraries. Yes, yes. People walk in and it's like super quiet in there. Nobody's talking loud. My anxiety Mm -hmm. was just going through the roof. So now like my heart is pounding in my chest. Mm -hmm. I just verbally said something to this person. And then I'm second guessing myself. I'm like, am I being too extreme? Am I being paranoid? Not if he could feel his breath on your neck. And and then he said something (laughs) to me like, um, you know, kind of of like – like I was overreacting mm. or whatever. And then uh, when I got up to the teller, the lady said, because she's got her little microphone speaking through the deal or whatever. And she's like, that white guy comes in here all the time and he's so weird. Because I'd yeah. seen that teller lady before and she's like same age as me, you know. And she's like, he's so weird. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, even, it's not I mean, just me. She's like, I'm glad you said that to 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you know? w- and when an untrained, when somebody that's like a bank teller that's, and I'm being presumptuous here, mm-hmm. but somebody that's not trained in like human behavioral yes. metrics, right? you know, like body language, yeah. eye, cicadic eye movements, like facial yeah. expressions, like those type of things. When people are not, don't know how to like, haven't been trained to like read things like that and are saying like, yeah, that dude's a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Like th- then- that's 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 substantial yeah that's very substantial so right i always tell people trust your gut your mm-hmm. gut is not gonna lie to you right. but your heart and your mind might mm-hmm. they might trick you a little right for sure your gut's not gonna lie to you and then um people with ill intent will continue to push and push they'll get mm-hmm. a toe in then they'll put their foot in and then they're standing in the water mm-hmm. and then they're waist deep i mean they will go as far as you will allow them to and that's like a good example of like social behavior that we were just talking about with all the COVID stuff, yeah, all the COVID Nazi stuff. Germany. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I have not had a, I haven't been in a fist fight in a hot minute. Like it's been, it's been a long time and I'm very fluent in that. When I was a kid, like I fought a lot. I, yeah, fought, you told me I fought, I fought a lot when I was a kid cause I got bullied for a long time when I was little and then I just snapped one day in school. I think I was like in third or fourth grade and I was just getting bullied all the time. And I like, why were you getting bullied so bad? Uh, what did they bully you about? Do you mind me asking? That I was just, well, cause I was like, uh, I was introverted cause I was like getting abused by my dad. So you were quiet and you kind of stayed, kept to yourself yeah. a lot. I was getting the shit beat out of me. By so my you dad. were an easy target in that yeah. capacity. Yeah. So yeah. Aww. Yeah. I wasn't getting touched by pee like I was talking about earlier, but, but I was getting, I was getting, tuned up yeah in an unhealthy way right regularly and so i was very uh quiet introverted and then you know guy you know the older kids would like target us at recess you know target me at recess or whatever and it finally just got to the point where like something in my brain just snapped and i was like i am not dealing with this anymore and i grabbed this kid and i beat him so bad that like i got kicked out of school for like three or four days let it all out on him oh yeah and he he left with some bruises and a split lip and a, and a busted, you know, I don't know if I broke his nose, but his nose was gushing blood and we got ripped apart. And like, I was just like a rabid badger on him. But I, so, and then that was just kind of a trend for the rest of my life growing up. Like if somebody flexed on me at all, I was you were like, just like, oh, I got it all right here. You want it? Yeah, yeah. Here I'm, it is. I'm in it. Like, uh, like, let me just let it out on let you. Let me show you my commitment to the program yes. here. <laughs> yes. And so, so I would do those things. And so I haven't been like that for so long. You know, since I stepped away from my operational career, yeah. I still stay very fluent in like the art, yeah. you know, shooting, self-defense, combatives, things like that. And, you know, how to use tools mm-hmm. on humans if you have to. Yeah. But I'm very much like a, I don't like violence and I don't want Me to either. do that. But I got pushed to a place because of the COVID nonsense where I finally snapped. I was in this coffee shop, my favorite coffee shop in Jackson. Uh-oh. And do you still go there? I still, yeah, when I'm in town. They're like, as you're walking in, they're like, oh, here he comes. Yeah, so I'm (laughs) sitting in there, and the whole mask thing was just, they were just. Oh, yeah, yeah. People were just stupid with it, and like, you know, Jackson is a very, it's like the liberal spot in Because it's a touristy place now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm sitting in there, and this guy comes in, and he's like, I'm watching. First of all, like, I got yelled at for not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. I didn't even acknowledge it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Here's my money. Here's what I want. Uh, yeah. And they, they did it because they're like, don't. The don't. ginger with the Glock hoodie on, we probably should. Don't poke that bear, don't, man. You know, just give him his coffee. Yeah. And plus, he's a regular. 
Uh-huh. He's in here all the time. Let's just like he just give him his food and he'll go sit down and eat. And yeah, yeah. We won't have any drama. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there because the whole thing in my mind didn't make any sense. You have people, a whole restaurant of people sitting around, no mask on, uh-huh. eating food. Yeah, but then you got to put it on. I have to put it on to, to get up to to order to get in line and order. I have mm-hmm. to be wearing a mask. But then literally three feet in any direction around me are humans with no masks on eating. So the whole thing just was no sense. Complete fucking and utter stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a line of people and I'm sitting there and I'm like drinking my coffee, minding my own business. And I see this girl come in and she's, she's a younger girl. She's probably like 19, 20 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And she wasn't wearing a mask. And in my mind, I was like, yes, you go girl. Yeah. Yeah. You go girl. Right. You know, I'm, I'm psyched when anytime I see it. Teammate. Yeah. And so she comes in and, and then people start filtering behind her. And then this older guy comes in, much older guy. I'd say like probably late 50s, early 60s, gray hair, shorter, skinnier build, mousy looking dude. And there was a box of like the face diapers that were sitting like on this table Uh next to the line. And he like looks over at her and I'm watching the whole thing go down. I love doing this stuff. And I like watch his eyes and he looks at the box of masks and then he looks over there at her and he just like is staring at her for a minute. And then he walks over and he like picks out a mask and he walks over and he's like, here, you need to put this on. He doesn't say, excuse me, miss. Like, Uh do you mind putting this on? He says, he shoves it in her face, like almost up to her face. And he's like, you need to put this on. Oh. And she like steps back for a second. And then of course, because it's confrontation. Yeah. Yeah. Humans. And there's other people around. Yeah. It's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, uh, uh. And I just like something in me broke in that moment because this was like a year and a half into this nonsense going on. Oh, and here's the other thing too. Like the mask mandate had already been lifted in Wyoming, but Teton County. Oh, kept it. Kept it for like, Mm -hmm. because they were being cunts about it. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't want to admit that it was like political subterfuge at this point. They wanted to just like continue to like toe the party line narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... I just, something broke in me in that moment. And I just looked at her and I go, or you can tell him to fuck straight off. (gasps) And she like looked at me and then looked at him. And I could tell that she was stoked in that moment. Uh, But she's like, she reached up and took the mask out of his hand. And then he looked over at me and I was like, yeah, yeah, you fuck straight off. Maybe mind your own goddamn business. Maybe stop fucking bullying people. (gasps) And I go, if you have a fucking problem with it, we can go outside right now. (gasps) You right there, just right like there. that. Yeah, because I had like had enough. <laughs> I, I broke inside. The savage in me was like that had been locked in a cage for a really long this time. It's like we don't want to have violence anymore. Like <laughs> I was just like I was finally like oh okay, I've I've had enough of this oh. fucking nonsense. And so he immediately was like oh 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 and started backpedaling. And I was like leave her the fuck alone. Shut the fuck up. And so. And then I just went back to my coffee like I wasn't doing anything. And she, I didn't pay attention to what she did. She went behind me. She ordered her food. And so then he went up and ordered. And like the whole restaurant was like <gasps> like super quiet. Oh, yeah. And everybody was like looking around and looking at me. Did and I didn't that? even care. I just yeah. went back to my, I, I think I was, uh, what was I doing? I think I was reading something on my phone. I was reading something on my phone. I was reading an article on my phone mm-hmm. or something. And I was drinking my coffee. <laughs> and so he comes back up to me. And I see this dude out of my peripheral vision, like reaching out towards me. 